0: The days are getting longer. It's getting cooler. Um, I think a lot of us have been living through some unseasonably warm temperatures. We certainly have out here in BC, but it feels like fall is definitely on the way. You wake up in the morning now. It's dark around 7 a.m. You get out in the evening. It's dark. Yeah, the seasons are changing. And that can only mean one thing, of course, is that it's also heading into what typically would have been called in times past flu season. Walking around these days, you'd also be forgiven for thinking that COVID is no longer with us. Protective measures are all but gone. You see the odd person wearing masks, of course, as is their right. Um, But really, a lot of those measures that we had in place over those early years of the pandemic are gone. Uh, I was just at a concert the other day, the place was packed, no one was wearing a mask, of course, we've uh, just don't do much of that anymore. COVID itself, I mean, we know that it's still out there, people are still getting sick, people are still testing positive, but in many ways, the virus is less threatening, it's causing less severe infections when we do get it, Uh, not to mention that we have greater immunity to it, thanks to vaccinations, new vaccines, uh, and prior infections, of course. But heading into winter and fall, or fall and winter, rather, our healthcare system remains under intense strain, as we've talked about repeatedly on this show. And not only are we still coping with an ever-changing COVID virus this year, with so many mandated protections now gone, we expect other illnesses, such as the flu, to make a big comeback. They did, uh, I believe, in Australia, where it's already been winter, of course. It's summer, heading into summer now. And remember, viruses, of course, don't care about your politics. They don't care about your beliefs. They don't care about how you interpret the charter. They don't care who you vote for. So what does it state or what is is the state of COVID in our communities these days? How will it interact with what could be a more significant flu season this year? What are you doing to protect yourself from it? Are you taking advantage of what's available? If not, why not? And what should you know to, and how to best protect yourself and your family against all of it this year? Joining me now with more on that is Jason tetro He's a microbiologist and host of the Super Awesome Science Show. He's also the author of the germ code and the germ files, Jason. As always, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be joining you again. So, uh, I, I you know, walking to work this morning, you feel like the days are getting shorter. It feels like flu season, if there's such a thing. And this year, we have uh, obviously we have the specter of COVID still with us. Um, what, what are the concerns heading into this uh, to this winter?
1: Well, it's uh, basically another race. Um, we ran into this before when we had the vaccine. And then we have the Delta. We tried to get everybody vaccinated before the Delta came around. It didn't necessarily work so well. And now we're in the same boat where we've got these, um, what we call descendants, if you will, uh, lineages that are based on the BA5 that are coming around. Um, You're going to hear numbers like 2.75 or BQ1.1. You know, these are the ones that are um, circulating at the moment, but they're all sort of based on the BA5. So if you've actually got a BA5 vaccine, um, there's a really good likelihood that it's not going to affect you significantly. Um, does that mean it's it's the end of COVID? No, it means that COVID is turning into well, basically like the flu. And right. yes, there there will be a flu season. Yes. <laughs> there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know,
0: because of um, the measures that were in place of late, mm-hmm. uh, we saw flu seasons that were far less severe. Yeah, uh, re- recently than than how we had seen previously. This may be the first year where flu season, a real flu season, collides with COVID. What might mm-hmm. that look like and what are your concerns there?
1: Well, I mean, the, the biggest concern, obviously, is going to be the pressure on healthcare. Because if you look back prior to 2019 and sort of before that, around the second week in December, we always see the news headlines that uh, emergency rooms are packed and, uh, you know, there's no room for admittance. And, you know, people should not really be coming to hospitals or ERs because they've got the flu. Now you're going to have COVID on top of that. Mm. So it's only going to really put an extra amount of pressure on our healthcare system. And, you know, for the longest time, we've been talking about using the measures. I call them the ABCs, protecting your airway, keeping your bubbles intact and, you know, know who your contacts are. We've been doing this so that we can protect the healthcare, um, you know, as a whole or that universe. Well, we don't have those anymore. And if you're not going to be following the ABCs, then there's going to be an increased risk for you to get either flu or COVID. Um, And then that's going to put an increased pressure on the healthcare system, whether it be your local healthcare provider or the emergency room.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you make the obvious. You make a great point, and that from the very beginning, a lot of these measures were simply meant to, to ensure that those who needed health health care uh, were able mm-hmm. to get it if they were sick. And once again, we're heading into a situation where uh, the healthcare system is still under a lot of strain, and it's about to be put under more strain. Are you concerned? I mean, we've seen
1: the rate of hospitalization climbing even for COVID recently. Yeah, yeah, and that is very concerning because. We thought that we were at a point where we were going to be okay. But again, it's that race. The BA4, BA5 and descendants are the ones that are circulating now. And we just had the BA4, BA5 bivalent approved like two weeks ago, right? <laughs> so right. we're back in that that sort of flux zone where we are going to be able to defeat the BA4, BA5 through vaccination, But it's not happening fast enough. Or if you would like to go back to January of 2021, (laughs) it's basically what we ran into. So this is something we're going to have to deal with. What I'm hoping, though, is that people will recognize that as we start to increase the number of cases, or they start hearing about people being sick, or that they sort of look around and they're seeing more people who are sniffling or, or blowing their noses or coughing, that they choose to put some kind of barrier protection Masks is what we're using today, but for the longest time before that, I used a scarf. Still okay. worked,
0: <laughs> right? Just any kind of protection, right? Exactly. Because I mean, COVID, and you've talked about the variants and the new variants. We know that COVID is mutating. We don't know what's going to come next. It's clear that Omicron uh, doesn't impact us quite the same way that previous variants did, but still, mm-hmm. it's not not as fearsome or as fatal. But it's still it's still out there. I mean, there's, it's not to be dismissed,
1: right? <laughs> Well, and the other thing that you have to realize about COVID, um, the SARS-CoV-2 virus itself, it attacks one of the most important regulatory systems in your body. It's called the renin-angiotensin system or the RAS. You don't need to know that. What you do need to know, though, is that it helps to control numerous different processes in your body, from your kidneys to your heart to your blood pressure to inflammation. And the reason I really stress that inflammation is because if you can't get that inflammation down over time, then symptoms are going to continue because the symptoms are not due to the virus. The symptoms are due to your immune system. And if your inflammation continues on past 8 weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, well, welcome to Long COVID.
0: Right. And I'll, we'll talk about long COVID uh, after we take a quick break, because there's two new studies out about it. Before you do that, mm-hmm. though, tell me about the bivalent vaccines, because they're out there. Uh, I'm registered for mine, I think, next week. Mm-hmm. I know people have already gotten them, but it, you get the sense that 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 there is a significant segment of the of the population who just aren't interested in getting new more vaccines against COVID.
1: Yeah and that vaccine fatigue is normal and and remember we have flu every year and we're lucky if we get 41% of the population getting the flu vaccine every year. So we're now in a situation where we are looking at probably 30 to maybe 40% of the population choosing to go get this bivalent booster. The difference, however, is that as I said, the variants that are coming, the virus versions that are coming, are based on the BA five, and only the most recent addition to the vaccine arsenal, the bivalent that has the BA four, BA five, is going to be able to help you to prevent any kind of infection. Now, all the ones previously, they're going to help you to prevent serious infection. They're going to help you to prevent hospitalization and death. But if you want to have the utmost protection, well, then that four or five is really where you want to be going.
0: Uh, You know, as always, there's information flying around on social media. I see it everywhere. The big debate recently has been been about whether vaccines protect against transmission or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why don't you clear up a few, if you could clear up a few of those, uh, some of them, because there's always sort of these debates going on, Uh, but uh, I'm sure you're aware of the latest ones.
1: (laughs) Can you clear up some of the confusion on those? Yeah, well, let's just put it this way. So you're standing in a crowd, right, and you're vaccinated, and that's great. However, is that going to prevent you from being exposed somebody coughs on you? No, the virus is still gonna get inside of you. If that person is infected, even if they have been vaccinated and they cough on you, is that gonna prevent them from putting virus into the air that could possibly get it? No. So do vaccines prevent exposure? No. Do they prevent transmission from people who are already infected? No. What vaccines do is they train your immune system to go, hey, guys, we just saw something that came in that's foreign exposure and and we don't like it. We want to get rid of it. And then it fights. And the best part about vaccination is that the fight is incredibly efficient. It is incredibly accurate. And it really does a good job of maintaining your balance, if you will, so that you don't go into that inflammatory problem, or even worse, the virus doesn't actually grow to a large enough extent that you actually end up getting sick. That's what vaccines do. But when people start like, oh, it doesn't prevent a transmission, it doesn't prevent exposure, nothing prevents it except the mask. So right. just get used to that. And this
0: year, would you recommend, I mean, I'm getting my flu shot and the uh, bivalent at the same mm-hmm. time.
1: Is that what you recommend? Yeah, so there have been studies done and it shows that there's a little bit like we're talking maybe six to eight percent likelihood that you'll have a little bit more side effects as a result of getting both at the same time. But you also have to realize we're in the process of looking at developing one shot that has both flu and COVID in it at the same time in terms of a vaccine. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to get them both at the same time, unless advised by your healthcare provider not to, I, I don't see a problem.
0: There's been these new studies that I saw earlier this week on long COVID, Jason, and it's interesting because we didn't have a lot of data, and now mm-hmm. we do. Now we have some more. What kind of clearer picture are we
1: getting? Um, honestly, what it's telling us is that very similar to what I've been saying for like the last ten years. There's about thirty percent of our population who have issues with their immune system with respect to inflammation. Now, what's happening is that there is a virus that, as I said in the previous segment, is really focusing on. The regulatory system that controls inflammation. And that's going out of control. And this 30 to 40% of the population are finding themselves in a situation where they're unable to control that inflammation over the long term. Thus, this is where the long COVID comes in. Now, that's sort of the scientific explanation. When you look at it from a purely population-based, it really does mean that unless you know the cytokines and and the T-cell responses and the monocyte responses and all of this type of stuff about your own body, you really don't know if you're at risk of getting long COVID or not, which is why you don't want to get COVID, period. In the first place.
0: I, I mean, I gather that uh, we've seen a significant shift uh, as we went from the previous uh, variants into Omicron with the mm-hmm. impacts of long COVID. Uh,
1: yeah. How is that? So what ended up happening is that you look at the amount of virus that is being produced. And then you look at how that virus is affecting the uh, immune system and of course that um, regulatory system. And what we found was that the original lineage did some damage. But Delta was the one that really took out your system. And a lot of the long COVID that we've been seeing probably traces back to a Delta infection. Now, for Omicron, it's a much more mild infection. You don't seem to have the type of issues that you saw with the Delta. So we're starting to see... Fewer and fewer cases of long COVID associated with Omicron. That doesn't necessarily mean that we're past long COVID. What it means is that maybe it's not sparking enough inflammation to, to sort of take you into that long COVID territory. But again, unless you know your immune system inside and out, you really don't want to be taking that chance. No, I mean we've interviewed people, healthcare professionals, who didn't know
0: their immune system that well. Needless, yeah. to, you know, not to mention the rest of us. And and I guess once again, the concern here is, is that you're putting increased strain on the healthcare system.
1: Well, again, there's the increased strain on the healthcare system. But then, and this is something we talk about every year with respect to flu. Um, you've heard about sort of presenteeism—people going to work when they're sick there is a productivity concern. And economically speaking, you could be responsible if you happen to have COVID and you sort of try and go about your daily life to what has sometimes been anywhere from about 10 to maybe $35 million in lost productivity simply as a result of people not really figuring out that they should stay home when they're sick. So there are other factors that are economically related to this. And so I think Rather than just looking at it from a healthcare perspective, you have to look at it as a universal, I'm living in Canada perspective. And we have seen some provinces who have enacted some of these sort of sick leave rules, which is great. The problem is, of course, if they're only temporary or they're going to be rescinded when COVID goes away, then we're right back where we started. Except that instead of a bunch of viruses like RSV, flu, rhinovirus, um, we're not going to have COVID on top of that.
0: Uh, and it's it's going to mean you mentioned it again, with those three things combining, this may be, again, yet another winter, unlike win- a winter we've seen
1: before. Yeah, and Australia has already shown that to us. So you see... Um... During our summer, it's their winter, and you sort of get a feel for what's going to happen up here by seeing what goes on down there. And they've had a fairly remarkable flu season this year, um, and it's sort of mimicking what was supposed to have happened in 2020. You see, 2020 was supposed to be the 11th wave of the 2009 pandemic, if you remember that one. Somebody called it swine flu. Please don't call it that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it really did a number in Australia, and it's probably going to come up here and do a number because – We haven't had exposure to flu for like two and a half years, and even though we may have the vaccines from many, many years ago, it's always good to get a booster, which is why you want to go and get the flu vaccine. And if you don't, then there's a good likelihood you may end up with an even greater level of infection if you get that H1N1, and then you may pass that on to other people, especially if you're intergenerational households, and then it could turn into a mess, which is at home, and then, of course, that shifts over to healthcare. Boom. So you can see how this thing is like an ouroboros it's just the snake eating itself Jason Tetro uh that's yeah that that is certainly
0: a, a, a vivid image <laughs> thanks so much for <laughs> thanks so much for your time tonight it was such a pleasure take care